Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Son, son, he's our number 23. Ericsson, son, son, no room for him or for Holby. Bentaleb, Dembele, they're our midfield dynamite. And when they play in Lily White, they make Tottenham look shite. Hello and welcome to Rule the Roost podcast. That was a, a, a dramatic beginning. Um, can you follow it up, Raji Baines? Uh, no, not really. Um, that's that's blown me out of the water for the rest of the show. I'm never going to be able to live up to that. There we go. I'm sorry if it's a bit controversial, but you know, sorry, Ben Seb and Dembele were shite the other night, and Ericsson should have been playing. Let's jump straight into that, mate. Norwich, what an absolute travesty! Not not just the fact we lost. Like I can take Spurs losing. It's it's not nice, but if you know we've put in a really dogged effort and it's one of those days for example the Newcastle home leg when we threw everything at them and Cruel had an absolute worldie things weren't going our way and we lost hard to swallow but these things happen you go away to a team like Norwich they're fighting for Premier League survival if we'd have really gone there really gone for it played well and it just hadn't gone for us on on the day they'd have gotten a, a goal and you know it's one of those things you can chalk off but the nature of that performance, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, what, what what were your thoughts about the game, mate, first of all? Uh, first and foremost, Norwich well and truly deserve that. Um, I think credit where credit's due. Um, not Snod, Snod Grassesi, you mean? Yeah, well, he's um, he scored against us before, hasn't he? Um, he's, I think he's probably the, the best out of the bunch that they've bought from Leeds, um, which probably isn't hard. But um, it was... It was one of those days where it just looked from from minute one to the end that it it, it seemed that way. Something didn't seem right, and um, it was it was almost the way that it was almost inevitable um, was probably the bit that was the most annoying. And um, it was a, a horrible result, a horrible game to have to sit through and watch. Um, so I didn't enjoy it much. It didn't sound like you did either. No, I mean just just to give you some perspective on this game. Um... I pulled a few of the the post-match stats on this one. So we had 59% possession, which is obviously very good. 559 passes. 559 passes. One through ball. One through ball out of 559 passes. 66 long balls. Two shots on target. Now, if we're we're looking at Norwich, you had 389 passes between them. Um, 
you can see that we're obviously a team that's not using possession well. To 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 break that down, right? The the fight was essentially lost in the middle of the park. We were just outclassed. Like our our midfield was outclassed by Tetty and Bradley Johnson. I I hate Bradley Johnson as well. I cannot stand that man. But the two of them pretty much broke up everything that we had, and most of their attacks all came through the middle. Now. If we to if we for me in this game, Polinio, this is it's possibly the worst game he's had in the Tottenham shirt. Um, was a complete passenger throughout the entire match. Um, if you look at him, right, he's had thirty three passes, nine of which were in the attacking third. For someone that's a you know that was being deployed as an attacking midfielder during the game, or at least a what is what's the word you like to use? A pivoting. A pivoting midfielder, isn't it, Raj? Yeah, a pivot. So, yeah, that's probably the the right word. Yeah. Go on, go on. break it down. Break it down for a layman like me, a, a moron. Well, essentially, his job was to do on the weekend against Norwich because he's he's been playing in several different positions in the midfield, which probably isn't helping his cause. In all honesty, but um, with Dembele as high up as he was on the right wing um, until the injury to to Danny Rose. Um, Polino was further back, and his his job was essentially is to link defence and attack. Because with with Capu and Bentaleb playing, they were clearly the ones that were asked to stay back. And um, if you look at like the average positions for the game on on something like who scored or what have you, we actually sat with um, Michael Dawson, Etienne and Capu, and Jan Vertonghen. They sat as like a, a bank of three at the back for most of the game, and it was almost like a three-five-two with wing backs for for large periods. Which, just as a, a tactical standpoint, doesn't make any sense against a, a team that's playing with one traditional striker. So from from then on, it was it just didn't go well. But I understand what you're saying. He, he, he just looks he looks a bit short. He looks knackered. He looks lethargic. Um, and there's just it's, it seems very strange from him that he, he can put in these great performances like he had just before he was injured against um, Stoke when Charlie Adam got him. Um, as he traditionally does with one of our players, and he's just looked—he's um, not looked fully fit or, or even fully interested since he's, he's regained fitness. No successful tackles. Didn't win a single aerial duel. Um, pretty appalling as well. Nabil Bentaleb, despite being our top passer during the game, had one successful tackle throughout the entire game. Didn't win a single aerial duel. Didn't actually attempt one. Um, and only had two successful passes in the attacking third. He's, he's due a rest. Um, he, he pl- he's played too much football. Um, from somebody who's gone from playing no first-team football whatsoever to all of the first-team football, it's, it's ludicrous to expect him to be playing as well as he, he started off doing. And to continue it now, it's, it's, it's just madness that he needs resting. He does. Um, I mean, what do you think the issue is with... With Ericsson, do you think it's that he's carrying a knock? Do you think it's that Shoah doesn't fancy him? Do you sense it as something has gone on off the pitch? Because that game was crying out for his presence. It really was. We we completely lacked that creative spark. Um, and to his credit, um, when Soldado came on, it, we seemed a lot more dangerous. Um, I, I, I've been a particularly kind of vociferous critic of Soldado in recent weeks. Um, and although he did, he wasted a glorious chance when he first came onto the pitch, which again, you would expect a striker of his quality to at least get on target. 
we just looked like we had so much more of a focus and uh, a, a, a cut and thrust when he was on the pitch. And surprisingly, it was mainly Adebayor that was still occupying the advanced position. Soldado himself seemed to be dropping down and creating that link between midfield and attack um, and did that very well. So, you know, adds credence to the fact that, you know, although we often say, oh, he hasn't gotten the service, he's just suck up up front. Maybe he is just the sort of player that's reading the game on another level that a lot of our players aren't. I don't know, you know. Um, but as far as Ericsson's concerned, I've, I've no idea whatsoever how he didn't get on the field. Um, he didn't play midweek, although he travelled. Um, I, I mean, it's it's very odd for me. Um why that substitution wasn't made. As you say, it was crying out. Man United have just conceded, which is nice. Um, that's just, just me digressing. Um, but how he didn't get on the pitch, as you say, is, is madness. Um, Soldado was good when he came on, but he, for me, the the stat that's, that's really worrying is um, the reliance we've had on, on Adibayar since Tim Sherwood took over. In terms of goals and assists, Adibayar's contributed 52% of those since, he's, since Sherwood's taken over. And if you if you compare that to somebody who we were compared to, uh, to a one man team when Gareth Bale was there last season, the same percentage for himself was thirty seven percent for the entire season. So the fact that those figures are so far apart, and the fact that if if Adi Bayard doesn't turn up, there doesn't seem to be a party is is worrying. Um, I think goal um, Ewan Roberts at, at goal wrote a really good article surrounding that entire part, um, and. The Norwich game pretty much showed that because Adibayor wasn't at his best because he has played a lot of football since then. And to be fair to him, he has he's earned his place and he's earned to start. But he he's he just if he doesn't perform, then it doesn't seem like the team can perform. He, he seems to be Sherwood's main plan is 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 Adibayor, which is is worrying really. This is it. There is honestly no excuse for a team that dominated the play as much as we did statistically, at least to have as little invention and to look as just flaccid as we did in that match. You know, it, it says to me, the fact that we, you know, we dominated possession, we had the lion's share of passing and time on the ball to just create next to nothing shows that we were just devoid of ideas. Well, um, especially given the fact that we've got two of what are apparently Europe's two youngest premier uh, playmakers, one of which is now playing under a megalomaniac at Fulham, and one of which couldn't get on the pitch at the weekend. It's it's crazy. I mean, Holt is twenty three, twenty four. Ericsson's just turned twenty two within the past couple of weeks. These are two young lads who have done well since they've joined the club um, in patches. Ericsson's probably probably been slightly more flashy than than Holtby in times, but Holtby started this season really well in in the Europa League games, especially and. Um, and some of the Premier League games, and the League Cup game against Aston Villa as well was excellent for him. So um, the fact that the pair of them aren't there, and the fact that that game especially was crying out for not just one of them, but both of them to start, was um, was a massive disappointment. We've, we've got this squad that we, we claim to want to utilise and build upon, but we seem to be shooting ourselves in a foot time after time in, a, in the most Tottenham Hotspur fashion possible. I think what, what irks me probably most of all is the lack of fight, the lack of desire from from so many of our players. If if you look at a team like Liverpool and it, it, you take I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I, I still I, I, I sound like a, a, a complete talk sport caller in a that's not even a word, but whatever. 
when I when I kind of dig into Sturridge, but I still I just think he's having a purple patch. I, I'm not a fan of Daniel Sturridge. I don't I don't think he's all that at all. Luis Suarez is obviously an incredible talent, and but a you massive take, racist. Yeah, yeah, of course, just a generally awful human. But yeah, you take him out. I can't mention Luis Suarez and him in any context without mentioning the fact that he's an awful racist. Oh, but he's a great player. No. Um, however, if you look at their team, if you break it down man for man. They are not, on paper, and I, I know the whole argument, but on paper, they are not a better team than us. No, or but... at least as much better as it is showing. Yes, they shipped three goals against Swansea, but they did not fucking give up. Every single one of their players for the whole fucking game chased every single ball, every single lost course, dived into tackles, you know, harried and pressed and made, you know, created options for one another, moved into space. Our players, we just don't have that. We don't have that buzz. We don't have that coherency. There isn't, it doesn't feel like everyone's working for one another. It genuinely looks like a lot of them have given up. Jan Vertonghen being an example. I, I understand the argument, oh, he's been played out of position. Oh, you know, he's not happy about this. He's not, mate, fuck off, honestly. Like, you're a great footballer. But again, his comments this week about, oh, I'm going to have to consider my options, blah, blah. There's a good quote going around on, on Twitter at the moment that uh, this, this young lady's put out there um, where she's essentially saying that for all these players that will come out and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to look at my options at the end of the season. Why not fucking look at yourself now in the season? Why not look at yourself and say, finishing in the top four is in my fucking hands as a footballer on the pitch representing this club. I'm slagging off to the papers that, you know, saying this club aren't good enough for me because, you know, they're not getting into the Champions League. Your destiny's in your fucking hands, mate. And when you walk around with a sulk on your face like you have done for half of this season, you're not contributing to the team's success. You're yeah. just not. And the lad is a, is a gifted footballer, but his attitude fucking stinks. And it's it's just, it's really gotten to me. It I really top, has gotten to me. He's around like a mardy bitch most of the time. Yeah. I mean, he's a beautiful human being, but the fact that he walks around with a face like a slapped ass most of the time doesn't help his cause whatsoever. Um, in terms of what you just said, um, first things first, when you describe someone as a young lady, you sound about 40 years old. So I know, I do that. Refrain Did from doing that. On the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I think the Liverpool comparison, the, the, the thing that I take away more from desire, because I'm, I'm slightly more sceptical about things like uh, body language and desire and yards run and what have you. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I don't really buy into those type of things uh, as much. But um, the thing that Liverpool seem to have is an identity. They've allowed a manager over time um, to build... Um, what they know what they want to do, they know what they're trying to do, and they know the manner in which they they have to play in order to achieve it. Even though they they conceded three goals, they knew the way in which their manager wanted them to play, and the the way in which they had to win that game. There's there's only one idea for them, and there's a plan in place, and there's been time for them to implement it. We had that with a previous manager. He got sacked, and that went out the window. Then Tim Sherwood in all honesty, hasn't really had the time to implement any sort of idea for himself. So it's really a decision now whether or not you want to try and give him the time and you believe he's the person that's going to be able to to instill his philosophy within the squad and, and build a project um, if he's allowed the time at our club, which is, you know, not really... 
not really a guarantee or whether or not we're going to have to stick and twist in the summer again it's um it's another one of those really it's it's um well, it's such it's, a, it's, it's annoying more than anything else yeah well there's been a lot of rumors about louis van Gaal, but we'll uh, we'll touch on those at the uh, at the the bookend of the show um but for now we 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 have to move on because we do have a, a couple of welsh lads waiting for us Right, well, hello. Yes, as I said, we're joined by two Welsh lads tonight, and that is uh, Joel and Steve. Hello, Joel and Steve. How are you doing? Yes, good, mate. How are you doing, lads? All right? Yeah, good, thank you. So it's it's not the first time you've, well, not met, but the first time you've chatted to Raj, is it, Steve? I I believe he was a guest on on your podcast last night. Yeah, Raj was a guest on uh, on our Built on Stoke Road podcast. uh, Well, it came out this evening, in fact, so yeah. So any any rule the roost listeners, be sure to listen to Raj get mugged off, um, as he does, of course, by me every single week. Um, <laughs> how, how was he? Though was he good value? Yeah, he was great. To be fair, um, obviously we'll want somebody um, that knows their, their their Spurs and knows what they're talking about. Unfortunately, we had to settle for Raj, but um, but you know, <sighs> it was decent. Oh, that's, that's cold. <laughs> you know, he's going to talk about the red shirts, don't you? That's why you're getting the digs in early. Well, you know, make it nice and original. Nobody else talks about them. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we're safe folks. We're safe folks <laughs> for now. Right. Uh, so we're having a look at the table. It's looking pretty perilous for uh, for Cardiff City at the moment. Nineteen goals scored all season. It's last, what was your last game? Four nil at home to Hull. It's 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 looking positively. That's Norwich, embarrassing. Norwich City at the moment, lads, and we we kind of thought that last week, and then they came and. Did us right, so it's all fun, isn't it? It's all it's great, Doncaster City. It's fantastic. Just yeah, free flowing football by the opposition. Just us getting trounced every week. It's all great. It's fantastic to be a season ticket holder at the CCS. What, what's going wrong, boys? What's going wrong? Um, well, I, I'd say, um, I'd say, well, you know, when you take, talk about statistics, you can't get worse of a statistic than only winning five out of twenty-seven Premier League games. Um, so we're leaking a lot of goals, as you can tell, 4 0 on Saturday. Um, and as Steve rightly said, you know, we're watching a lot of other teams coming down playing like the home team. Um, since Marky left, the defensive structure has just well, it's just been decimated. Um, and other teams around us, they always win, you know, when we drop points. And that's been the story of the season so far. Um, not not really many excuses. Um, other than that, really. Do you know what? I'll pick you up a little bit on it, Joe, Joe, because the one thing that you know comes out of this, which is a crazy statistic, we talked about this on our pod last night, is that despite how bad things have gone, and they've been pretty bad, we're three points from safety, which is yeah. mental. It is crazy. We should we yeah. should be cut adrift. We should we should just be going down with less points than Derby did, um, you know. But but we're three points from safety, which it is it, you know it's still doable despite the fact that we've taken twenty seven games to win five, and now we need to win five out of eleven, which is yeah. scary. But you know we've um we, we've still got hope, which I think is the thing in football that kills you the most. I think. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. I, I was I was having a look at your your, your top scorers so far. Your top three. <laughs> You've got Fraser Campbell on five. Mm. You've got Jordan Much in yeah. second on fourth, and then Peter Whittingham in third with two goals. <clears throat> so, I mean, Spurs have been kind of criticised this year for for not putting enough away, but it seems as though, although we haven't got anyone out there leading the line, well, I guess Adebayor in recent weeks has kind of taken that upon himself. But 
in terms of how we've had Bale on the past couple of years, kind of really taking essentially the goal scoring on himself. Yeah. We seem to be getting goals from across the park, but it, it genuinely just seems that your biggest problem is scoring. Um, and I think that comes with confidence as well, Jack. Um, I, I genuinely do, you know, um, a lack of leadership as well, maybe, because, you know, we didn't have Adele on the weekend, we didn't have Craig Bellamy on the weekend, and they're, they're the types of leaders that need to be standed up and counted, and they also bring international experience, um, experienced heads. But also, you know, with Craig Bellamy, he's the type of player, you know, as you saw probably against Swansea, he can kind of create something out of nothing. Um, and I think only Jordan Mutz is capable of doing that in attacking phases of play in, in terms of creating something out of nothing. You know, Fraser Campbell has done fairly well. You know, his work rate is second to none. And yet, you know, you take someone like Hull, they bought in Jelovic and Long to support their strike force. And we bought in Kevin Jones, you know, who arguably <laughs> kicked his toys out of the pram. And let's be fair, on an, on an ideal day, you ask any Bluebird fan who would you want to spend, you know, a couple of million on just in wages, and he wouldn't have been on the sheet. So, like Steve said, there, there is hope, um, but as you rightly pointed out, scoring goals is a big problem. But I, I think that does come with confidence and uh, and that lack of creativity in the final third, definitely. I think I think the thing to bear in mind as well is that those kind of statistics and figures of goal scorers are slightly falsified because. We've obviously had two managers. One has only been in for the last couple of months, but the first manager is a manager that basically set us up not to lose. And, you know, the way that we played was always going to be, you know, looking for set pieces, be it corners, free kicks, because that's how we were promoted and that's how we were going to play it this season. And, you know, he obviously tried to solidify our defence and there's no question that we were better defensively under Malky than, than Solskjaer. But, you know, I think that's another big reason as to why we haven't really scored goals is because we never actually went out looking for them, maybe as a lot of other teams did, you know, and, and probably Hull is the classic example that they kind of went out there and, and tried to take on teams and did it pretty well, whereas we were always kind of sitting back and looking for that Peter Whittingham free kick or, you know, corner, trying to trying to get something off there and, that's you know where we really kind of got our most of our points from, and when you're taking that away, and the fact that Sosha now is, is trying to get his philosophy across, um, we're still doing that, and we're still trying to find that, and we don't really know what's our best team or best formation yeah. or even best you know kind of Down tactics. Yeah, exactly. And, and the problem that we've got is that we're running out of games now, and we we can't really do that any longer. It, it kind of these players need to stand up and be counted now, opposed to in three or four games time. Mm. Could um, you? Uh, one thing I was interested to go over is a, a little bit about Jordan Much because myself, as a as a essentially a shit football fan, I, I, I don't really know an awful lot about Jordan Much. But do you not know much team, about Jordan Much, Jack? There you go. That's nicely n- nice segue there, Raj. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's he's popped up with a few assists. Yeah, he scored you know a few goals. Um, what's his kind of what's his deal? How long have you had him? How's he playing? Is he an important player for you, or is it kind of fluke? What would you say? He's a would, he's a yeah. I was gonna say he's a very good player. He's yeah, a very he very good player. Um, we picked him up for about two million at this you know in the summer of um of our promotion season. Hmm. Uh, Malky kind of recognised as he did. He, he likes to kind of go for those young players that have potential, and yeah. um, he was you know on and off with injury. Had a had a bad heel injury, which never really kind of um 
kind of heal properly, uh, you know, pun intended. Um, but he came into you know, his own really towards probably February of, of last season and him and Kimbo Kyung really were the reasons that we ended up going up. They, they kind of dragged us over the line and it's a little bit similar this season in, in regards to Jordan's injuries. But, um, you know, he scored one of the goals of the season away at Fulham, which um, in the last minute, which got us our first away win. Uh, but he's just not played in a football. It's as simple as that. When he's on the park, he creates for others and gets goals himself. And I, I think he's definitely going to be one that if we do end up going down, that there'll be a lot of teams, I think, you know, looking at him maybe with one eye on the, on his injury record, but I think he's definitely worth taking a chance on. And you could see him at a, maybe a mid, you know, mid table premiership team for sure. Also, as well with Jordan Mutch, what I love about him, which Steve will probably also agree with as well, you know, going down every week is the fact that he takes, he takes, the ball and takes it into attacking the phases of play immediately after being on the back foot. So he he's the type of player that turns defence into attack within a matter of seconds because of his driving force. He's got quite a bit of a stature about him. You know, he's got soft feet so he, he can beat a first man. And he and he covers ground quick, pretty quickly and has also got an eye for a pass. The balance in our midfield does rely on Jordan Mutch and Gary Medell, whether Jordan matches in front of our two whole midfielders. But Gary Medell is more or less a, a ball winner. He's our anchor in midfield, whereas Jordan Mutch has the capability of, you know, being solid defensively, but also turning defence into attack. Or he's also very good at keeping space in between the lines, as, as you may call it. And he always makes himself available. So if Gary Medell is on the ball, you'll always see Jordan Mutch showing feet, or you'll see him running beyond him. So, and that tends to be the type of player that we need right now, you know, in terms of being able to break a move down that maybe Hull put together or Norwich put together or Aston Villa and actually put them in the back foot. And at the moment, you know, with Gary McDellanus and an injury now as well, my main concern is actually the midfield area, purely because Oli Gunnar has brought in unproven midfielders into, into the squad at a hard time. Um, so, yeah, definitely Steve was right in terms of Jordan Match was a key player for us in the championship. How, how's, uh, what's going on with Bellamy at the moment? Is he, is he, has he got injury problems or something? Because uh, he, he's always struck me as the type of player that people like to get on his back. Yeah, he's a bit of a nasty bastard and people like to get on his back about that. I really I like put, him. I, huh? I, I, well, I was going to say, I personally, like one of my favourite Craig Bellamy moments was <laughs> that moment when, uh, like, uh, when he was playing for City and that, uh, well, Manchester City, and that that United fan ran on the pitch and was like yeah. fucking having a go at someone. And all these players are, you know, crowded round and everyone's doing this. Bellamy just walks over, lumps the lad and tells him to fuck off. And I just thought, that's brilliant. Like, it's, it's great that you've got players that, that mm. do that, that just have that no-nonsense sort of like, you know, nothing approach about it. And, and, and he, he is one of those players, I know there's that old cliche, but I often tend to think if he was one of the, you know one of those type of players that had a, a surname like Lopez or something like that, <laughs> people people would talk up his talent a lot more than they do. Yeah. But he's it's very easy to, to deride him. And I'm not saying he's absolutely you know he's he's world class, but he has shown glimpses, especially during his time at City, Manchester City, that he's he's a very capable Premiership footballer. Um, yeah, he. he, he it doesn't seem to have sort of transpired with Cardiff, but I, I, I know he has had some injury issues. But it, do you see him as being like one of the players that's going to be most important for getting you out of the kind of mire yeah, towards definitely. the end of the season? Definitely, because of the type of experience that you've already spoken about, you know, in Bellamy's career, 
he the, the funny thing about it is, you know, a lot of people he he's aware that obviously people have noted his his attitude, his behaviour. Even if you just read his book, you know, he's very aware of you know the perception of Craig Bellamy's name, you know, in the public domain and in society. But you know, you talked up his talents and. What I love about Bellamy even more is he knows he's a talented boy. And I think because of that, you know, when he's included in our squad, in our starting eleven, other players draw confidence, you know, from his ego, from his talent, from his skill set, from his experience. And I think for the benefit of the team, more often than not, he is a master on the team sheet. Obviously, he's got the type of temperament, you know, whereby he can fly off the handle a little bit um, or he could lose his rag. But actually, he, like you said earlier, you know, he takes no shit off anybody. Um, so it's quite unlike you Welsh lads to, to lose your rag and fly off the handle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, we're quite, we're quite passive. Um, look, I think the thing to bear in mind with Bellamy is he is 34. He's got knees like Victor Meldrew and obviously they need, uh, they need kind of... And probably a temperament for... to suit as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, he's out at the moment because he's suspended for um, giving Jonathan de Guzman a, a good twat in, in the uh, South Wales derby, which, to be fair, every Cardiff fan wanted to do anyway. So he's only doing what, you know, what we wanted. Um, so he's sitting out that at the moment. But I think the thing with Bellamy is that, again, talking of cliches, is the fact that probably more opposition fans say about Bellamy that they hate him when he's on the opposition's team, but they love him in their team. And I think that's because he pops up with goals. He works his, his socks off every single game. And he's just got that moment of flair. And, and Joel's right, you know, he he does kind of bring something to the team. If I'm honest, I'd make him captain over Stephen Colker because, you know, as good as the lad is, he's not a leader, especially at 21. No. Uh, an exceptional, exceptional defender. But I think right now we need someone that's going to lead the team. And let's be honest, if you're going to get a bollock in off anybody, you'd probably want it off Stephen Colker right now because you know you don't really want it off Bellamy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's a, a key thing. I think when he comes back... We've got like 11 games left. I think we need to try and get as many of those, you know, those ones out of Craig Bellamy's knees as possible because I think that his will and drive to win um, may be the difference in what is proving to be a, a season of very fine margins at the bottom. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that about, about a leader because one of the, the, the big kind of criticisms of Spurs in recent weeks is that we seem to lack a real leader, that we've, we've got Michael Dawson at the moment, who's our captain, who... Really, his his form's been appalling of late, and he seems to to struggle just kind of concentrating on his own game, let alone inspiring the whole team around him. And he seems more like the type of player that a captain would love in the respect that he loves the team, he gives his all every single game, but as an actual leader that inspires through not only his act, like his actions off the pitch, I would guess in spirit as such. Um, but also who inspires through actually seizing the game and looking assured and looking steadfast, as we had with Ledley King previously, and players like Rafa van der Vaart. Well, Raj spoke so well of Michael Dawson on our podcast last night as well, funny enough. Well, he, 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 dog shit, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> He's, uh, but <laughs> at the moment, he just he, 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 he isn't suitable to be captain. Yet our other he option isn't is someone... to be a footballer at this moment in time. Could be Probably not, no. To, to be honest, and we're both very big, to be honest, we're both very big Michael Dawson I, fans. As a, as a person, Yorkshire. I love him with all my heart, as you can tell. He's from my part of the world. Um, he, he couldn't love the club any more than he does. He, last season, when we tried to sell him, 
Um, in, in hindsight, we probably should have done now, but um, when we tried to sell him, he refused to go, um, even though he's being offered captaincy and probably double his wages and double the playing time at QPI. He wanted to stay at the club he enjoyed playing at and earn his right. Who the to fuck wants to go there anyway? Who wants to go to And, and is, is Michael Dawson from Salford? I didn't realise that. No, he's. <laughs> I'm not from Salford, I'm from Yorkshire. It's uh, that, that Carl Polkin and nonsense. Um, I'm not sure where that's come from. Um, he, um, really? Thank yes. you, Jess. Cheers for that one, Jess. <laughs> yeah. I genuinely, I don't. It's wrong side of Pennines for me. Okay. Um, anyway, he, um, he, where was I? Michael Dawson. We've thrown you there, mate. We thought, I think that's the first time I've heard you You wobble, Raj Baines, and the whole time we've done Royal the Race. You don't like that one, do you? Carl Pilkington. Lancashire, it's, it doesn't sit well with me. They're, um, they're slightly inbred and... and, and uh, <laughs> Mate, know, War, War of the Roses. War of the Roses was a long time ago, pal. <laughs> yeah, they're odd people over that side of the Pennines, as as we were anyway. Michael Dawson, he's he's as a person, as a, as a as a man, he's fantastic. But as a footballer, um, you get the feeling that as a football club, we may have left him in the past. Now he's still got a role to play in perhaps smaller term games, um, just like Brad Friedel may do. Um, but as as a first choice centre back in the Premier League for a team that's that's trying to be Champions League pretenders and apparently aspires to win the title, although... Uh, yeah. <laughs> with the Magnificent Seven! Way. Yeah, 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 as we were, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's just not at that level anymore, unfortunately. I, I think a, a great Dawson moment this year, and I, 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 I hate digging in. I love, I love you, Mike. I know you're not listening, but if you are listening, I love you, mate. Um, I, I think one of my knows favorite... how to use a computer, to be honest. So I don't <laughs> One of my favourite years from Yorkshire, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. They, they haven't been invented up there yet. But uh, was was the game against Fulham when uh, he 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 tried to run the ball out from defence, literally fell over, and then Fulham just picked up the ball and went and scored straight away. Like he, he just fell over flat on his ass. But the point I was making, in a less convoluted fashion, is that we don't have a leader. The next sort of candidate is Jan Vertonghen who we've spoken about previously as being like just a huffy little twat. Right? He's not a leader. He's not a captain. Like a what, teenage boy. what about what about Hugo Lloris though? I mean, French He's French too quiet captain, and no? nice and French oh, to be captain. Nah, goalkeepers and captains don't work. You know, I'm like, with you there, John. With yeah. you. If, if, if your centre mids and your centre halves are literally sitting on their asses, like sitting ducks watching the other team, you know, drive through them, then you need someone like a Roy Keane, a Vieira type of figure. Not a Vieira or, at Tottenham, let's, that let's not be silly. Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. That's, that's a yellow card, mate. <laughs> you know, that, but that type of figure, though, you know, in the middle of the park. Yeah, or Gary Monk at Swansea, that's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> no. In saying that, I've, I've got to give you props, actually, Joel, just to, to go off topic a bit. I liked your, your little bit of Arsenal trolling the other day. Um, that was quite good. What is it? I think you said, uh, I like how Arsenal are building a Dennis Burkamp statue to mask the fact that they have been failing for the past 10 years. But it's true, like, you know, like they, they brought, you know, they unveiled the Thierry Henry statue, and as we, you know, regardless of, um, you know, Club support, you know, the the, the the guy is is an absolute legend purely for his skill. You know, I'm the same. You know, towards Henrik Larsson, I can I hate Celtic, but actually, you know, you know, Steve was mentioning about players where you know you'd love to have them in the team, but you hate playing against them, and he was one of them. And uh, and you know, coming back to the captaincy, you know, uh, issue, yeah, it's a, it's a massive thing for Cardiff at the moment in terms of you know Stephen Cole isn't, isn't exactly playing badly. 
Um, but this one Kala centre-half is actually looking very good in the middle of the team at the moment. But I was having a conversation with somebody else the other day after the whole game and I actually said, well, it'll be interesting to see how many players look good when all the other players are playing well because it doesn't actually take anybody with you know, world-class talent to actually stand out in our team at the moment. And, um, and one thing I've, I've noticed quite, quite frequently, especially towards the end of a game, is you know, Cardiff players are almost like playing football in a library. It's so quiet. Nobody is screaming at each other. Whereas, you know, Bellamy, regardless of if he's lost the ball or he's blaming somebody else, he's very vocal. And you don't get it with Stephen Corker. Um, and Cardiff, what well, you got to remember, and I'm sure Spurs are the same, you know, are used to seeing and having very vocal, very um, bold and brash leaders. You know, go back as far as Graham Kavanagh, you know, absolute leader from the way he played to the way he vocalised. Um, and, yeah, we, we need we need Craig Bellby back. If we're talking if nothing about else, um, big players for, for um, Cardiff, though, um, I mean, ones that you want to build statues of and things, isn't that what Andreas Cornelius was in his, his short time <laughs> at the club? Can yeah, you explain that that's... signing for us, um, the, the investment you made? Yeah, we can't. But investment, uh, investment would actually indicate that there was something for the future. Um, we we kind of got rid of him after six months and two pretty bad injuries, uh, along with an, about an eight point five million pound uh, deficit on what we've paid out on him. So, um, so yeah, you're right. He is he is a statue. Um, we're looking we're looking for somebody you know just as shit to be honest. So um, we are rumoured with Soldado as well. So. Um, <laughs> kind of like for like. It doesn't fit uh, in that kind of. We're swapping you, you... for Kenwin Jones, mate. That'd yeah, be all right. I, I, I the, the player exchange. Yeah, no, Odomingi has gone to stop. Don't fucking yeah. joke. We were going to spend fifteen fucking million on Kenwin Jones on, a few years ago. Oh, good Jones. God! Imagine that. Jeez. Well, I dropped that bomb, Just to go backwards as well. If we are Arsenal trolling, by the way, can I just point this out? And I'm sure everybody else thinks this. Anybody else think it's really ironic that that Bell and Piers Morgan? Um, bashed Wenger so much and he's actually ended up getting the sack before Wenger I think that's, <laughs> oh, I think that's hilarious it's, just, it's a delight it's just the, the only bad thing about it is that he doesn't have more of a platform now to embarrass their club even further <laughs> that's just, you know but to be fair with Piers Morgan where there's a will there's a way he's still true. got he's still got enough Twitter followers in order to uh, to kind of you know have a go at the, the probably the best player at the club as he did with uh, Aaron Ramsey for weeks and weeks and weeks only to look like a complete dick is that Aaron Ramsey, the, the, what is it, the, the best midfielder in the world, according to Arsenal fans at the moment? But yeah. we'll, go, we'll go back to Aaron Ramsey. I just want to talk about Stephen Colker very quickly and just find out how, how you, how, what you lads make of him this season because... I, I, I like him. I, yeah. you know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I actually love the fact that he actually learned to trade at Swansea when they were doing pretty well. You know, in terms of starting... Starting their phase of play from from defence, he's a very cool cookie. He's very calm under under pressure, um, and, and I like that. I, I Steve would probably um, back up as well. We we've seen Ben Turner more or less kicking a football off a off a rugby tee for about thirteen fourteen months, and it just gets quite boring. Um, so if you can imagine, Stephen Corker came in as, as a breath of fresh air. He came in with under twenty one experience, but that that's not to say give him the captaincy. You know, in terms of young leaders, um, you know, Aaron Ramsey was exactly the same for Wales. Just because he's a good player doesn't mean he deserves the captaincy there and then. But Corker, I got no complaints. And Steve was mentioning 
about Jordan much about a, a player who will probably be looked at at the end of the season. I have no doubts that Stephen Corker would be also if we went down as well. Well, we've got a buyback clause on him if you go down. I don't know, don't know if you know that, but that's... that's yeah, that was, that was kind of rumoured. Um, but yeah, look, with Colks, um, with our podcast, it's slightly different. I've got to be kind of careful what I say because Colk is a, a bit of a friend of our podcast. We've recently um, raised quite a lot of money for his charity as well on the podcast. But what I will say he'll, is... He'll he, appreciate your constructive criticism. Yeah, no, no. I mean, look, I've got no real criticism about Colker at all. No. I, you know, I think, like Joel said, he has been very good and... I think the disappointing thing for him is that, you know, he has been in a defence that's obviously hemorrhaged goals this season. He has stood out, but he's still not made it into any England squads. And if I'm completely honest with you, I I think that's the reason he came to Cardiff City in a World Cup year was to try and cement his place on the the plane. And when you've got Chris Smalling and Phil Jones ahead of you, you you know you've got problems. Um, And it's probably slightly unfair. You know, funny enough, I've I've done another podcast tonight with Hull City fans, and they're complaining that Curtis Davis isn't getting there. That's okay. Commiserations. I saved I saved the best of last obviously. Um, uh, I doubt they're going to listen. But yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's the fact that those two defenders probably are are far better than what's in that squad, that England squad right now. Anyway, but Colker's definitely done enough to be in squads and probably to be on the plane, to be honest, because he is a very good defender. But he's twenty one. Um, and I think that may be his downfall because I think that he hasn't got that that experience. But like Joel said, if if Cardiff to go down, then you can see someone like an Everton or you know someone like that of that stature coming in and actually taking a chance on him. Or in in fact, you boys again because um, you know I've seen Kiriches play quite a few times, and I probably would have taken Colker over him if I'm completely honest. No, I, Since- I disagree on that point. I've, I've seen them both play. Kiriches has got a couple of years on Colker. Um, Corker in a couple of the bigger games last season, um, and even the smaller ones, it got to him a little bit. The um, the occasion. I mean, I'm not sure. I think it was Leeds, wasn't it? Was Leeds Leeds the one especially? Shat himself, didn't he? My local game, yeah. I mean, forty. It's not forty thousand anymore. They can't afford to open the top tier, the shithole club that it is. Um, We all let Leeds come. Yeah, the thirty thousand, you know, pissed up Yorkshiremen that were in there chanting shit at him, the fact that there was a tiny bit of atmosphere, the fact that it wasn't very nice and kind and the fact that he's, he's come up north and it was a bit cold and, you know, he, he had to roll his socks up and what have you and they were running at him and kicking him. He, he, he shat himself and he couldn't handle it up here. And um... Yeah, but I'll, I'll come, I'll take that and I'll come back with you that he scored the winner in the South Wales derby against the team that he'd been playing for and, and was really getting some shit that day. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I'd say that he probably has grown up a little bit since that Leeds game, if that's the case. And I think at the start of the season he was he was drawing confidence from you know Malky's solid defensive philosophy you know in setting up not to lose so he he was always going out with the purpose whereas I think he was trying to identify himself and find his identity at Spurs and was getting a bit lost on his way you know so maybe when he was thrown in even in against you know a shit all of a club like Leeds where all they are going to do is you know intimidate you I think that would have been enough at that time. You know, to make him look like a bit of a rabbit, rabbit in the lights. Yeah, whereas, that's a perfect phrase. That's that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, whereas nowadays, um, you know, even if he only spent say three or four months with Malky McKay, you can see um, he grew as a player definitely. And even from the start of the season, City fans can can actually look at him and think he's, he's been a bit of a stalwart for us. 
That sounds good then. We can we can we'll probably give you Michael Dawson for the championship next season in exchange for Corker back in the summer <laughs> oh, then. Put the claws away, we're, Raj. Put the claws away. <laughs> but we haven't even started talking about the red shirts yet. Uh, if we're on. talking about <laughs> your your business though and and uh, all together, I mean you seem to be running some sort of Scandinavian YMCA at the moment up there with all the young Norwegians that you're buying. I don't know if yeah. I don't want to make any U tree comparisons with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because you know we haven't got the lawyer power to deal with that. Um, mm. But how, how your business is made by one man really? It's bankrolled by uh, the the megalomaniac that is Vincent Tan, and we we seem to get the the press end of it. We we get to you know we hear all the 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 fans are going to riot against him chant for Malky and what have you and we get all the, the main stories about him what's it like as a, as a fan there being under a, a chairman like that because we, we have our own reservations about our own chairman but he's he's not done anything as yet to um, to spark the sort of criticism that, that Tan has worldwide Joel, <laughs> do you want to take that one mate? Um, yeah definitely well I, let me start off with the positive and it might only even be one but let me start off with it anyway what people don't realise, including fans of ours, is Vincent Tan, the whole part, the whole point of partnering with Malaysia wasn't purely for selfish marketing and branding, um, even though people might still argue that point. It was actually for broadcasting Cardiff City games into um, distribution networks across Malaysia, um, in particular shopping malls. And so what you'll find is now, if you if you boys came down to a game, and Steve would probably um, recognise it as well, is there's always Malaysian school kids being invited over more or less at least twice a month. Um, and that, that was one of the main things that he wanted to concentrate on. So that's where the whole red campaign kind of came from and was rooted from, was actually people wear blue in Hong Kong and certain parts of Asia as a sign of mourning whereas red is a sign of um, prosperity and good luck. So, obviously, if if he's going to, you know, coverage our games and broadcast them into Malaysia, he was never, ever, ever going to do that while we played in blue or predominantly blue. Um, but as a fan, you know, that just turns up every week and kind of has his own opinions on the games and, you know, just the whole club in general, really. Um it's a bit of a blur and it's very unpredictable. It's very unstable. Um, and nobody can tell me that it's not translating onto the pitch. We've spoken briefly about Andreas Cornelius. One of the big things that, that really pissed off Vincent Tan was apparently uh, Cornelius was earning six grand a week back in Copenhagen. And between Ian Moody and Mehmet Dalman, the chairman, Andreas Cornelius ended up earning 45 grand a week with us. And all Vincent Han ever did was watch him warm up and maybe come on for the last four, four or five minutes. So he is very ruthless. And the whole beginning of the Red campaign, as I'll call it, um, and Redgate was never a sign of whether fans wanted it or not. It was, it was more or less a teaser for what was to come in terms of regardless of what you lot think, vote, sing, say, you know, I have my idea, I have my opinion, and that's going to be the way it is because it's my club. Um, and I think the most disheartening thing for the fans is despite all this change in the turmoil and the Premier League position and the form, the managerial changes, even down to transfers, the hardest thing is actually when you look at 
the scoreboards on on Saturday and seventy minutes with three 0 down, and then you look across the grandstand and your owner isn't even there. That's like a kick in the bollocks, because he's the one who made all these changes and he was the one who you know started the revolution of the downturn in the Premier League for us. Because before Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came in, we were never inside the bottom three under Mark McKay. And so when you've got that type of leader, that very um, autocratic, you know, figurehead in your club, then it's disheartening to say the least when he's not even asked to turn up on a pissing down typical Welsh Saturday afternoon and you're getting absolutely battered. Joe, I'll tell you what though, mate. How... how... Because this is the thing I really struggle for, and I, you know, I, I know it's not you personally that's caused yeah. this, and so I, I don't want to give you personally a hard time about it. But I just I know myself, <laughs> but myself as, as a Spurs fan, if we changed our kit, if it, if if the Lily White went, and we, it, yeah. you know, not if we went to red, like I have hard enough time swallowing the fact we've got a red sponsor. Yeah, I think that's kit. a good comparison, though, Jack. <laughs> if you look at the amount of fans from us that kicked off just by the fact that we're going to have three possibly have three red letters across our shirt next season in, in the Premier League. I mean, we, we kicked up enough of a fuss about that for, for people to have a back did, and forth. Did, did we, though, mate? Did like Genuinely, though, did like there was nothing organised. There's a few people bitching on Twitter. But what I mean more is if our actual shirt colour changed, I honestly, I would find it very hard to... I understand that your love for Cardiff City... Mm. It's still in your heart, and my yeah. love for Tottenham Hotspur for the history for what they are would still be there. But what I would see as the business that they had become is not yeah. something I could really channel that 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 same raw emotion into anymore. That I would look more for that alternative, the, the you know, like FC United. So what the Manchester United fans did. So to look for an FC Hotspur. I mean, is this never anything that's been suggested or has ever has ever come to? Yeah. You know, like you've you've obviously had your fans that have taken a radical stance on it, and even though I don't agree with them, you know, I can under, I can understand, um, you know, why they would choose to. Look elsewhere. Uh, me being me, you know, I'm a local boy, um, very much a Valleys kid. Cardiff is was the closest club to my doorstep. Always had to watch Cardiff, um, you know, as a kid. And nothing, nothing, you know, no colour change, no logo, you know, differentiation, no rebrand, no one owner will actually change my stance on supporting a club, and the club being the fans, you know, others around me, the players. And more importantly, another manager. Um, and and my stance on it personally is I don't really care what colour we play in. And all right, yeah, it was, of course, like every other fan, it was weird and surreal to see all of a sudden Cardiff City playing in red at the beginning of the season. You know, especially growing up or only seeing my favourite Cardiff players wearing blue. However, um, I, it's fine people saying, oh, I don't know what, I'll go and support Newport County or I'll go you know, into the arse end of, you know, the, the football in tears within the UK and find somebody else to support. That's fine. But I would question, will you? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Really a fan in the first place. Because if your love for a club, your loyalty, your support is so genuine and raw, then surely not a logo change or one man, you know, for a period of years can surely change, you know, that connection with the club that you so dearly love. But, but, um, but do you see my point there, Joel, in the respect that, like, oh, yeah. it's, it's not becoming so much, it's not your club and it's not your love for your club that's in question. It's, it's, it's a business decision. It's, it's, it's not what you, are, what you love about your club has almost been taken away from you. That it, It's yeah. been twisted to make, essentially, some random man who has no history or affiliation with Cardiff money. It's to make him money. Yeah, of course. And, and he's, he's exploiting you know, he's exploiting your feeling to make yeah. himself money. Yeah, and that's right, yeah. But you know, I, I can also understand that decision from a business point of view. You know, I I, st- I studied business, so you know, when he talks about different types of entrepreneurs and leadership styles and everything, you know, I've I've covered it all. Doesn't mean to say I'm an expert in it, but I'm I'm aware of it. So uh, from a business decision, I can also see why he's done it. Um because the fans are more or less shareholders in the club. You know, in terms of me and Steve will always pay, you know, our 400 quid a year just to go and see our Cardiff play in whatever league it is. You know, we, we did it for years when we were fighting for the Premier League um, promotion in the first place. Um, and me personally, I will continue to do that regardless of any stadium expansion. Um, and, I, and like I said before, you know, I can totally understand. I can totally understand why fans would look elsewhere and think, you know what? Vincent Tan is now another penny of mine. I can totally get that, but if if all a, if a business decision is enough for you really to sway your club loyalty, um, I I would certainly cast out over that. I yeah, think, definitely. Um, I think I view that's it, not to say I'm happy with the decision though. Yeah, I think the way I look at it is more on tradition. I think. Um, I always try and compare it to something at Tottenham. And I mean, Jack, when it when it comes yeah. to these more sensitive issues, Jack plays good cop, and I tend to play bad cop. So yeah. I'll I'll ask you the, the you know the, the the nastier questions. Okay. So I, go on. I remember like last season, um, we had a North London derby away where we played in our third kit, and it's traditional for us whenever we play in Arsenal, we play in our lily white, they play in their red, and that's the way it's always been. That's the way it always should be. There's a small yeah. pocket of Tottenham fans that buy into this tradition of the club, and and like the aspects of the club as in being from Tottenham, I think the closest we've come to ever doing anything in, in the same manner as what Vincent Tan did at your place is, is moved mm. to Stratford. And that's the one time we did actually have a campaign to, to say no to, to Stratford and stay inside the borough and what have you. And, and even though yeah. I'm not from the club, even though the reason I support Tottenham is because of my family links and because it's passed down from, you know, father to father and to myself from there on. Yeah. Yeah. I've bought into that and I understand the heritage of my club. The heritage yeah. of my club is, is to have a cockerel on the on the chest. Um yeah. you know, to play in white, to have blue shorts, 
uh, when we play in the league and, and to be in Tottenham. And that's why I don't mind travelling all the way down south to see my club play at home. And that's why I try and do it as much as possible. The, the thing with you is, the, I think one of you, one of your Twitter bios reads, uh, blue nose, blue bird. Um, but you're playing in red shirts. How can you be a blue nose and a blue bird in red shirts? And you've got a, a dragon on your chest that's never been there before. That's just been, you know, it, it's it, almost it like fucking been, clip it, art. It has been, you know, it has been there though. That's yeah, the difference. Has... The, the major difference is that it's it's more prominent now opposed, and you know, whereas the blue bird the was blue more bird. prominent previously. Yeah. But um, look, to, I'll, I'll pick you up on your point first off. In, in regards to traditions, I, I get it definitely. You know, it's um, it, it's what football was built on. Um, it's it's all very well being Tottenham Hotspur with masses of history and you know yeah. being London based and and having all these different things a fantastic stadium and things like that to call on. When you're not Tottenham Hotspur or you're not Arsenal or Man City or Chelsea or Man United or anybody else like that, you kind of have to do what you have to do to survive and. That's what it, it's come down to. Traditions are leaving football at a rapid pace. It, and that's not to say it's right. It's horrendous. You yeah. know, we'd all like to play football at Saturday at three o'clock in our traditional, you know, kind of shirts and things. But unfortunately, that's not the case these days. And for Cardiff City... um we had to look at things like the financial fair play rules. We have to look at how we're going to compete. And, you know, Joel mentioned it, you know, the, the income streams that can come with marketing and everything from Malaysia is a fairly untapped resource outside the top four. Um, because obviously they, they get it natural, you know, and obviously this huge Manchester United and Liverpool fans and, and more Chelsea and Arsenal and Man City these days. But for Cardiff City, we, we're trying to get a little bit of a piece of that pie that is very, very lucrative. And, you know, it is, it is slightly wrong, um, in what's happened. But I've got to be honest, I'm with Joel in the fact that I don't really care what kit we play in, as long as it says Cardiff City above the, the stadium windows and, you know, we're, we're in Cardiff um, and, and that's the main thing. But the biggest disappointment for me throughout this entire thing and something I just cannot back Vincent Tan on is that if you lads have ever been to, to Ninian Park and, you know, to the Cardiff City Stadium over the last couple of years um, prior to the, the rebrand, it's been a pretty hard place to go for away teams and fans because it's raucous, it's intimidating yeah, definitely. But a one it's savvy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we're not I don't know, Istanbul, but it's you know. Um, but yeah, the, the the fact is though is that we've we've had that, and a once very very united fan base has been completely divided, and to see fans of Cardiff City fighting amongst each other, you know, both physically and on things like social media, yeah. is pretty sad. You know, that's that's probably the biggest yeah. thing of all because. You can take the shirts, you can take the ground, location, manager, players, anything. But a football club is built on one thing, and that's its fans. And when they start turning against each other over what is effectively such a trivial, you know, issue, that's the biggest thing for me. It's it's really really sad. And um, so you know, when the, you're in a position, the, are you saying the club's lost a bit of its soul then since all this has happened? Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. No, I wouldn't kind of subscribe to this theory that we've sold our soul because I I think like I said you've got to kind of do what you have to do in a modern day you have to roll with what you've got to do but absolutely you know would you swap it back no to to blue would you would you go back Ninian Park proper fans um, non-divided fan base back in the lower leagues proper Cardiff such a hard it's such a hard question though because you've got to look at everything the, the whole picture of it and 
you know, like I said, it's it's money revenue based these days far more than ever before. You know, the, there's more money being pumped into the Premier League than ever. Um, you know, in an ideal world, Ninian Park would have been okay for us. It would have been built up. We would have still stayed there. We'd have played in blue for the next hundred years and we would have been winning the Champions League. That's, you know, in an ideal world. But unfortunately, we just don't live in that, that world. And- I, I, I tell you what, here's an interesting one for you, lads, because, sorry to bring him up, but our Swansea guest the other week, he actually said, through gritted teeth, but he said, being in the Championship, really, it was more fun than the Premier League. He said, I, I agree with that. He, he said the crowds were better, the football wasn't quite as good, but it was more even. It was kind of like a level playing field. It felt a bit more old-fashioned. Is there not I, I, that part of you? Yeah. It just thinks we've, yeah. we've kind of we've we've yeah we've rolled over a bit for Tan to to play in the Premier League and really a bit of an anticlimax. Yeah, definitely. I, I wouldn't be one of these ones again that just automatically says, "Well, I'd rather be in the Championship and blue than the Premier no. League and red." Okay. But you know, the, the Championship is actually a top top league. It's it's a really great league. It's so competitive. There's there's games coming at you kind of every you know every few days. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. league and. It's subjective to say this, but for me, it's actually a better league. It's it's enjoy more enjoyable, and you know, with the Premier League, there's always been up until this season, there's been two or three teams maximum that could win the Premier League. In the Championship, you can look at like eleven to maybe thirteen teams that can win the league, and that's that's always been really really good. And um, th- there's a lot more banter. It's you don't get you know these these players with fucking carpets glue to their head on 300 grand a week and you know it's um it's just a completely different league and I've got to be honest despite the fact that we won it even the, t- the, the you know the, the kind of the seasons where we bottled it a little bit more I actually enjoyed our seasons in the championship far more than we've we've enjoyed this one because it's been completely ruined by the boardroom level you know it's just not been a fun season and it really should have been I've got to say boys while we talk about uh Players with ridiculous carpet glue haircuts. Thank you very much for Gareth Bale. Thank you, boys. Like, thank you. Thank you very, very much. There's so many that we can point out that we've let slip through the net at Cardiff, you know, that was was in and around that area that we've kind of ended up going. I mean, even uh, we've got, yeah, I mean, even Bellamy, you know, where did he come through at? Norwich, was it? You know, I mean, that's yeah. that's a fair distance to go considering you're a Cardiff boy and... Yeah, but um, do you, yeah, do you reckon you could, you could quite conceivably see Bale ending up at Cardiff, like at the very end of his career, maybe? Uh, MLS probably. Uh, yeah, not a bad shout. To be fair, not a bad shout. Yeah, you know he's he's, he's a good he's all right, isn't he? He's a he's a decent player. Oh but, fucking hell, man! Uh, oh. No, it's um, look, he's he's a he's a top player, obviously, and we're we're very lucky. But we've it's called the Ryan Giggs syndrome, and it we there's. You know, as a as a Welshman, we've got one of the best players in world football, but he plays for Wales, and I, I'm pretty com- you know pretty sure he wish he kind of you know been born you know 30 miles east of us just so he could play for England. But he'll be all right yeah. now. He'll, with the new Euro regulations, if you manage to fuck up that qualification process, then you don't deserve to be a footballing. Country, well, we will, we, we will, mate, because we we've got Chris Coleman as manager, and we will, yeah. I guarantee you. It. Yeah, I agree with Steve. Yeah, big time. You know, I never went to a game with John Toshak because uh, well. Looking toss spot, but and the Coleman, <laughs> and the, and the Coleman is 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 so unbearable. You know, the guy doesn't even know. Uh, well, when he, he puts Gareth, know. he puts Gareth Bale on the bench when he's injured to confuse the opposition. That's what we're okay. dealing with, lads. Yeah, oh, that's from the left field. I see where he's going there. Leave your best player out. I like it, Chris. Nice yeah, guy. that's why he did so well with Fulham. Yeah, yeah but, but, but why would you play Andrew Crofts over Gareth Bale? You know, why wouldn't you do that? Why, who? Yeah. 
would play a fit Andrew Crofts, you know, um, in behind the striker. A or 3%, a 3% fit Gareth Bale has got to be better than 100% <laughs> fit uh, or Andrew Crofts, you know what I mean? Like, but it was just the fact that he put him, he was completely injured. He had, he had zero chance of playing in that game. But he put him on the bench just so that he could psych out the opposition. Is this they were at the thinking, start of the season when the media circus was around him before the move? Yeah, well, I think he had. No, he had moved by then. Was he? Has he just uh, moved? Yeah, he just. Yeah, moved. There was that one international period while he was still clinging on at the club, and we we were still trying to, you know, mm. cling basically on to the idea milk, of him milk a bit of money out of Real Madrid, yeah. weren't we? Really? Yeah. We were never going to hold on to him. Daniel Levy was never going to hold on to Gareth Bale. Like, as soon as the bids went past sixty million, he was like, "Brilliant! How much can I get now?" You know, yeah. that was it. Yeah. But. I tell you, he, was, he was just like a desperate eBay seller, wasn't he? Just trying to like, yeah. he, was just, he was just, he had about 94 get, different get his, email get accounts. His mates to bid on them. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, I'd, I'd, I, I can't. My... What was that, sorry? He's just an upper class, Mike Ashley, Daniel Levy. I, <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. He's, oh, um, no, he's, he's a twat still. He's a, he's, a, he's a horrible human being, but I wouldn't want to swap him for the world just because the amount of clubs that get mad at him for, for the way in which he deals with mate, him. I'd fucking swap him for the world. Fuck that, mate. Mm. I'd get him out the door. Fuck, mm, fuck nah, he, I'd, it's I'd not rather... Vincent Tan. Sorry, lads, but at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Mate, well, we'll, we'll do a swap if you want. We did it with Kevin Jones and Peter Odenwingi. We'll have Daniel Levy. You can have Vincent mate, Tan. The day we have a red shirt, mate, honestly, it won't, it won't just be me fucking supporting <laughs> FC Hotspur. I'd burn the fucking stadium Do you remember down. that um, riot that was in Tottenham a couple of years ago? It'll be that again. <laughs> yeah. We say that half our fucking lot will probably swallow it anyway, mate. Like the Cardiff boys did. Oh, <laughs> oh easy now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, let's go on to the game. Let's, 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 we can, we can. Oh yeah, there's a game in there. We can do all this shit forever. But we are going to be playing a game. We're we going to be in your red shirts at Tottenham. But we are. You're we don't score many goals. You don't score many goals. We no, no. we thought we were going to smash Norwich, but we didn't. They were in awful form. You're in pretty poor form at the moment. You haven't. When did you last score a goal? Uh, hang on, ago, didn't you? Hang on, hang on. Norwich yeah. came in it three weeks ago. Norwich. Norwich. Oh, fuck. So you beat the team we just lost to. That's a good omen, isn't it? Which automatically makes us better than you. Yeah, <laughs> by, fo- by footballing logic. That's it. That's like, that's proper primary school logic, that isn't it? Like, but people, yeah. <laughs> I remember how like vehemently people would stick to those kind of arguments. They'd be like, "No, no, no, that's it. Like that, that, that's all it is." You say, "But no, but we're here in the league." No, no, no. We we beat the team that you just lost to, so we're better than you. Yeah, that's we it. did. We actually did this on our podcast. Um, I think it was just the, the first week back in January, and. Uh, Ads, who's, who's our proper stato on our podcast, he um, he worked out, he, he took he took it from Man United being the Premier League winners last season, and he basically took, you know, right the way through who they next lost to, who they then lost to, and it went through a cycle of about 26 teams, and it ended up in the first week of January, the best team in the world was Aston Villa. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the old good old footballing logic definitely kind of kicked in. How do you, how do, how do you see the, uh, how do you see the game going? Genuinely speak, I mean, where, where are we going to? What are we going to exploit in you, and what are you going to exploit in us, so to speak? Where are you weak? What 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 is it yeah. that you? For example, whenever Tottenham get a corner, Spurs fans are like, "Great, we've got a corner. We're going to do fuck all with it." What's what's your kind of similar 
situation. I hope it's not just when when the when the whistle blows to start the game. You're like, no, it's Michael. to be honest, it's the first fifteen to twenty minutes. I said this to Raj on the yeah. um, the podcast last night. Um, we've got a, a shocking statistic that so far this season in the first half we've scored five goals but we've conceded 25 Fuck so so basically if you get ahead of us you know fairly early on which um if if Jalovic had scored the goal originally on the weekend before it came out to Huddleston and he scored um that would have been a mirror image of four goals we've conceded where it basically comes down either wing crosses it in and then it just you know across the floor and it gets put in Lambert did it Snodgrass did it um the lad at um, Wigan did it against us in the cup and then Jelovic would have done it again so we've if you get the ball down come at us a little bit basically like the goal you scored against us at the CCS where you know um, Lamella took on Andrew Taylor crossed it in and, and Paulinho flicked it in we, we've got massive struggles with that particular goal I don't know what it is but we we always concede from that type of goal. So if you go and do that to us early, then it could be that, it, well, I said to Raj last night, it's the, it'll be the easiest three points you'll have all season, without any yeah. doubt. And if I can just pick up from where Steve has kind of left off, really, you know, we've got a Declan John left back who's coming on leaps and bounds. But, you know, in terms of you know his physical stature, it'll be a weakness whereby Adebayo will pull off will pull off the centre half, someone like Steve Corker, when the ball is on the other side of the pitch. And it'll be the type of it'll be the type of um, you know, attacking mindset that he'll have to pull off the Declan John and maybe attack the the back post and maybe one of your attacking players um attack the, the penalty spot area, the six yard box of the of the near post. Secondly as well, when you boys came down to us um, I did my own player cam and I, I couldn't take my eyes off Christian Eriksen, you know, in terms of um Technical. He is a, he's a he's a fucking dreamboat, though, and he. Let's oh, be honest, oh, to a player. Oh, yeah, he's visionary. Is despite I, the receding hairline. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, you know he was absolutely awesome, and I think if he didn't play for you boys, um, and and no, until the ninetieth minute in the last game, I don't think um, Spears would have persisted with as many uh, creative attacking. Um, pieces of play really if he wasn't in the team because he is that type of player that will always look to thread the pass through the final third um, uh, but, but yeah Steve is right you know if if, if Benry can't play if Medell is carrying a knock if our key players are injured um, then it, it's a pretty spineless team as we saw against Swansea you know that that was the biggest game of the season for me in terms of cheers um, Joel we'll open up that scar again why don't you <laughs> Yeah, oh, man, we know all about fucking losing to our rivals, so don't worry yeah. about it. You know, but in terms of you know, but in terms of having a spine, a strong spine, um, we we won't have that on Saturday in the first twenty minutes if we concede. Of course, we won't. We'll we'll totally um, be decimated by your pace, your flair, the likes of Lennon, the likes of um, Townsend if he starts. Um, Adebayo is clearly on form. Hopefully you'll go with Soldado up top. You'll keep Ericsson on the bench, and uh, you'll you'll give us a shout. Um, but other than that, I can't see I can't see us even getting a draw really. And that's not being pessimistic. You take Fabio; he's brilliant with the ball, but shit without it. Theophile Catherine is brilliant without the ball, but shit with it. Then you've got Andrew Taylor, whose legs are gone, and then you've got Declan John, who's still learning his trade. Um, so it's it's a very it's, it's a very big task to ask, you know. We, in we need of... da- we need David Marshall to have another game like he did at the CCS. Oh, and, fucking hell. And basically, need we need like I said to Raj, we we need 
we need a Tim Kroll performance out of Marshall and for us to play like Newcastle did that day that they came to, to the lane and won. I tell you what, you know what a really crap analogy about Tottenham is at the moment that I'm, I'm going to go with anyway, despite just saying it is crap from the off. We, under Sherwood... Aim for the stars, aim for the stars. Well, that's it, mate. Well, no, but see, I'm, I'm a reverse Tottenham. You know, our, our famous quote, boys, if you're not aware, Bill Nicholson, our legendary manager, won us a double, first team... You know, last century, I guess, now that won the double, just saying. Um, always said that, you know, Tottenham Hotspur set their sights so high that even our failure will have an echo of glory. But I like to think that wow. I, I set my sights so low that even my mediocrity has an echo of glory. See? Okay. Yeah. But uh, um, what, I, what I was going to say, under Sherwood, we, we kind of feel like... Everyone always had a rich kid mate that, you know, if you, say, had a, a, a toy remote-controlled car that was a bit crap, but you played with it all the time because you loved it and you got really good at controlling it, you'd still always have that mate, the rich kid mate, that got a remote-controlled car that didn't really give a fuck about it, that would just beat your car in races because it was simply really, really good. It was a really good car because his parents could afford to buy one that was better than yours. And under Sherwood, it feels kind of like we've got someone like that, like this this manager that has just inherited a great squad that isn't using it properly, but just because he has such a good squad, it will pick up results for him. But when he's actually tested, you'll see you'll see in games that, for example, like when we played Palace at home, although we beat them, they were the better team for large amounts of the game. And we've had results against like teams like Newcastle, where we've we've trounced Newcastle. But Raj, who was at the game, will attest to the fact that they were they were like a conference level team that night. Newcastle was so bad they made Carl Norton look good. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, that's that was one that I was going to say actually is that if if he does end up playing against us, I think that's one area that we may be able to exploit is because Norton does seem to be playing a lot of games for you lads at the moment. Norton against Zaha, they'll just be sat on the sideline comparing who knows more Drake. Well, I think. <laughs> Who knows more about Lauren Moises' vagina, probably. But. Yeah. Uh, I can't see Zaha starting on the weekend. Um, purely down to his work rate. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer drafted him in and was very keen to um, get behind him, support him and play him for you know large periods of a game. But actually, I don't think he is um, positionally and defensively... Um, He's just shit, Joel, let's be honest. <laughs> Yeah. He's just fucking useless. That's that's exactly what he is. Is he kind of all, all the gear, no idea sort of sort of? Yeah, he's, no, he's, he's, he's of... like half the gear, absolutely no idea. <laughs> but he's the type of player that that will only come alive in the final third. But if he gives the ball away, he doesn't really give shit. So you'll see him give the ball away on the edge of their box, and then he'll just walk after he's lost it. Whereas you know, you, you take something like Fraser Campbell, you know, he'll do both. He'll get that. He'll try and put the defence on the back foot as much as possible. But also, he'll chase and hunt the ball down if and when he loses it. And uh, and I think that's the type of player that we are, we are going to need between now and then, well, the end of the season, um, in every game. You know, that's what Bellamy offers, it's what Campbell offers. To be fair to him, it's, it's something that Nooney offers. Um, and so, they're the type of people that we need. We can't afford to be carrying the likes of Wilfred Zaha every week to nurse his ego and to try and give him a chance to impress David Moyes after shagging his missus, <laughs> uh, after shagging his daughter. So I can't, I can't see him starting. Um, I can see him probably going with a Don Cowie out wide and trying to tighten up the centre midfield, um, especially after Saturday. 
Aaron Gunnison hasn't really had a chance under Oli Gunner, but one thing he does really offer um, is solidarity. He's just a solid player. He puts his head, he puts his head, you know, in the way of shots. He'll put his body on the line. Um, and we've seen what Don Cowie can offer out wide, you know, against Man City, against Manchester United. He's a workhorse. Um, I like to think of him as a shit James Milner, which can't be much shitter than the Jesus real James Christ. Milner. But, uh, but his work rate is there and he's got a good delivery. So I can see him maybe playing out wide instead of Zaha and maybe Gunnison in the middle um, with possibly Ikram or Medell if he's fit. I tell you what, Joe, what do you reckon the score's going to be, mate? Um, 2-0 Spurs. Um, you, don't, you don't concede... Um, you don't you don't concede too many goals despite defending pretty badly, um, and that's kind of a good trade to have. Um, and we won't cause you too many problems unless it's from say a corner or set piece. But your biggest problem on the weekend will be containing Craig Noon because despite the overall squad confidence, he is he is a player who is certainly um, certainly brimming with confidence. So two nil Spurs. And I can't see a scoring. Um, and I think I think it'll be one of those games where we'll be fortunate to only concede two goals. What about you, Steve? What do you reckon, mate? I'm going for three nil Spurs. Um, Fucking hell! Just, I mean, you yeah. have seen us play, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, you, so yeah. But we said this. Raj said exactly the same thing, and all three of us came back with exactly the same thing. Have you seen us play recently? <laughs> um, look, you, you've you know whether it's on paper or not, you've got a much better squad, better first team. You're at home. Um, you know, despite the last couple of results for you guys, you know, you... you our you fucking away form's better than our home form, boys. Like, Yeah, but, you know, you still, like you said about the Palace game, you know, you, you grind out results and you'll do yeah, that. We'll, we'll be we'll be spectacularly ugly on the weekend. That's the difference. Yeah. And we'll we'll try and keep it tight, but ultimately you'll you'll get that goal. Um, we went to the Emirates and we almost got a draw until yeah. that fucking greasy Nicholas Bender kind of popped up in the 89th minute. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's the... Yeah, we are shit. That's yeah, you're right. You know, um, but I think, look, like I said earlier on, if you get a goal in the first half, you just go on, and um, we just don't score. And to be fair, your defenders are decent compared to you know half of the uh, the league. If you know, you look at we lost you know four 0 at home to Hull, and what their defenders were, and apart from maybe the first fifteen minutes when Kenwin Jones and Zaha had chances, we didn't you know, trouble them at all. So it's it's going to be a pretty straightforward. I think you'll you'll come away from that and go, yeah, pretty shit in there, Cardiff. I think that's what you'll end up coming, coming away from yeah. and thinking, well, you know, we weren't spectacular, but we scored three goals. And, and, let's, and, and, and let's be fair, you know, like fans will write off the Spurs game. It'll be one of the games that will be written off between now and the end of the season, along with, you know, Liverpool and, and Chelsea and everything away. Um, so maybe that will work in our favour, but probably not. Be quite interesting to know what uh, which way Miss at a nineteen fifties housewife will lean. Jessica Jessica Silver, who who set us all up tonight. Thank you very much, Jess. But uh, yeah, she's she's kind of on the fence. I, I guess, think she, I think she's she's a she's a, a clever enough girl. I think she really knows which way is going. Even <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she doesn't admit it. <laughs> but uh, no, f- thank you very much for your, for your time this evening, boys. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. So uh, That's right. thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, not to worry. Not yeah. to worry. Thank, thank you very much, and uh, well, all the best ahead of Saturday, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, 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 definitely, I, definitely good luck for Saturday because we're playing at half past four on Sunday. Of so, course, yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, have, have a good one, boys.
Yeah, and you. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Raj, obviously, for coming on uh, to our podcast as well. No worries. It's always nice to, to be charitable. <laughs> Third world nations. First world problems. <laughs> All right. Ta-da. Ta-da, guys. Right, well, there we go. That was Steve and Joel. Um, again, as as we did with the Swansea episode, we got through it without making any sheep jokes at all. It's a bit trite, isn't it, making sheep jokes, I think. But we're not above all that. We're just kind of scared to, to beat us up. No, but a big thank you to Miss Jessica Silver for sorting out our, our lovely guest this evening. You should follow her at a 1950s housewife and send her lots of love. She's expecting her first child very soon as well, so send her lots of positive vibes Thank you very much, Jessica. And uh, I've only gone and painted the fucking nursery purple. Sorry, that's a it's an in joke, but there you go. That's that's my attempt at a Welsh accent. Raji Baines, Cardiff City. Was that Welsh? That was supposed to be Welsh. What, what did it awful. sound like to you? Really? Fucking awful. Yeah. Where's that? Where where does that accent originate from? Lancashire. Christ. That, <laughs> hey, I like that. Um, I just want to give out a few as well, another few shout-outs, because I didn't actually Jesus mention... Christ, is that being on fucking one extra? Oh, mate, I know, it's like an Oscar speech, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, give a few shout-outs to people dad, God. who sent us in questions All that right. we didn't actually mention their Twitter handles by, because the conversation just flowed so naturally. Fine. So I hope that we did answer your questions. We had one from Mo, who is at Hotspur67. We had a good one from Tottenham Talk, who is at Tottenham Talk 1. There you go. Mr. Johnny Walzak as well, who is at Johnny... Oh, hang on. Oh, it's got off my screen. At Johnny Wall underscore. He always sends us in a good one. All Spurs at all underscore Spurs. And, of course, a good one from Craig Rogers, who is at Craig Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S. Um, thank you very much for all the rest of your questions as well. I hope that we did answer them over the course of our organic and wonderfully free-flowing conversation. Raji Baines. Uh, I, think we need to, um, I think we need to speak about Dnipro as well, the, the previous game, uh, the one that we lost, because it's, it's put me in a bad mood, to be honest. You know, we since did, last week. Yeah. Mate, it really, it really pissed me off. Every, it's not just that. It's the knock-on effect of having lost two games on the trot. I just get annoyed at everything. I think the one thing that's annoyed me more than it probably should have done is The Walking Dead. Because all they ever seem to do on that show is run around in the fucking woods. You, you watch it, don't you? I do. First couple of series, pretty good. The rest of it, I can, I'm right. getting to the point I can take. Right, I can, can we do a role-play now, right? What I'm going to tell you is I'm going to say Jack... There's been a zombie apocalypse. Will you okay. tell me where to go? You reply with the woods, and then <laughs> I will give you what a normal person would reply as to their reply as to where we're going in a zombie apocalypse. So, oh, Jack, there's been a zombie apocalypse. Where should we go? Uh, I would probably look for somewhere that has access to clean water and plentiful amounts of food that would be preserved, so say like tinned food. So I would think like a local kind of shop, perhaps supermarket, You're supposed something to say like the woods, that. Jack, you were supposed to say the fucking woods. Was, oh, I was supposed to be the, the pragmatic, no, the... I don't know what you're on about, mate. Just the zombies. I, the last episode. This, this is, is why not... I die. This is why I die. I'm I'm big. I'm plump. I'm juicy. I feed <laughs> a lot of zombies. I don't think well under pressure. All right. 
<laughs> That's why I'm fucked in a zombie apocalypse, mate. Right? right. Don't, what, what, don't what put me under this pressure. No, because the thing that I... The knock-on effect from Tottenham losing is I spent literally half an hour yesterday sat alone thinking how... How did they come to that agreement where they thought the safest place for them is the woods? What I would say to that, mate, is you need to get a missus. You need to get a girlfriend. Well, me, 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 and, me and Pamela about. Anderson have been together for 21 years now and we've, we've been doing doing fairly well. It's steady on. There you go. Nothing beats a good old five-knuckle shuffle, does it? Oh, sorry, I love you, darling. I mean, let's, uh, making love is the highlight of my, of my life. She's not looking too impressed. Yeah, I don't know if you listen, if anyone listened to last week's show, but my uh, my my lovely other half, Miss Charlotte Peachy, gave me a piece of her mind. Did she call you a prick? She, 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 I think she said, "I'll interject all over your face, you little prick." Yeah. So there we go. Well, um, one other thing that I wanted to do with you on on the same subject as um, as Dnipro is just go through um, and play a quiz with you. Where okay. I will, I'll name you a result, and then the game that followed, and you tell me whether or not we won or lost. Okay. This is like the games directly after the Europa League. So, if we go back to last season. We played, uh, for example, we had um, all the games all the way up up until um, we lost against Basel, didn't we? So that was a long old run. Yeah. How many games? So, so essentially, I'm just saying lost or what's this quiz? I'm like, do I say lost or won after you, you, each? Game? You just say whether or not you think we won or lost afterwards. Okay, right. That, that I can do that. I think I can just about manage that. Yeah. You following? I am. Right. So we had first game was Lazio at home, and then the game that followed that directly afterwards. So we played on the 20th of September. The game three days afterwards against QPR at home. We won. We did. Right. Next game, Panathinaikos away. Mm-hmm. We had Aston Villa at home. We won. Right, you seen a, you seen a trend here. Uh, Maribor away. That's fucking ages away. Uh, again, three days later, we played Southampton away. What did we do? We won. We did. Yeah. Um, and then, then it goes a bit tits up. <laughs> You're ruining the quiz, mate. You're we played Maribor at home, and then we went there. to City away. Three days later. Well, we lost that. Yeah. And then the next one is Lazio away. And then we played Everton away. No, we didn't. We played West Ham at home. We won. We did. Right, the next one is Panathinaikos at home. And then we played Everton away. Draw. Lost. That one at Christmas. Fuck, did we? Yeah, that one at Christmas where we conceded two in the last minute. Fuck! Right, so you got one wrong. And then it continues all the way on to that season. Whereas this season... If we just do the same for this season, Dinamo Tbilisi away, and then we played um, Arsenal three days later. Uh, just uh, yeah, we all know. Lost. Yeah, we all know. Yeah, Tbilisi at home played Cardiff three days later. We won. Yeah. Um, Tromso, luckily, luckily. Yeah. Tromso at home, and then we played West Ham at home. Oh, uh, again, we know. Like, yeah. Let's not go over that one. Anzi away, we came, and then we went to play Hull at home. Uh, we drew. No, we won that one. Oh, shit. And then this is where it gets really bad. Um, Sheriff away, and then we played Newcastle at home. Yeah, we lost. Right, Sheriff at home, and then we had Man United at home. Uh, we drew. We did. Um, and then we had Tromso away, and then we had Liverpool at home. Christ almighty. Yeah, we lost. 
Um, and then we had uh, Anzi at home. No, we had Dnipro at home. And then we've just had Norwich away. Hey! Do you see the, the, the thing that happened there? Whereas, like, last season, at the uh, the start of last season, where we actually cared about it, we seemed to be able to, like, win the the following corresponding games and the Europa League games. Yeah, this it's, season, we're just fucking losing everything. Mate, it's a fucking bullshit argument. What's the difference between Wednesday to Saturday and Thursday to Sunday? There isn't know, one. Exactly, that's, that, that's the point I'm trying to make, is they don't seem to care anymore about the Europa League. They seem to have zero effort in the fact that we're losing Europa League games and we're losing the corresponding league games. We had harder games last season where we went to like Inter. We came home and we played Man City and we beat them 3-1. That's like getting spanked in the San Siro and then coming home and, and replying again when we had, you know, a manager with an identity and a actual decent squad. I can't stand it. I've seen Spurs fans this week genuinely say... I hope we get knocked out now that top four is off the table because it pretty much is. Let's be honest, barring a fucking miracle. It was gone top, the second we stopped our manager. Yeah, okay. But when you when you have Spurs fans saying, I hope not only that we get knocked out of the Europa League now, but also that I hope we, the direct quote, tank it for the rest of the season so that we don't finish in the Europa League qualifying places this league this year so we don't have to play in it next year. You are not a fucking supporter. You're not a fan. You're not a supporter. I don't care if you think I'm being pious. I don't care if you think that I think my support is better than yours. If you willingly hope that Tottenham lose, you are not a fucking supporter. You're a fucking disgrace. So fuck off. Like you, This club... What is our fucking history were it not for winning trophies? The fact that we have been one of the clubs to win two European trophies, to win two UEFA Cups that Arsenal haven't done, that we throw in their faces because all they've won is the Cup Winners' Cup, which was so Mickey Mouse, it doesn't even fucking exist anymore. But we have won two UEFA Cups. Don't be fucking blinkered by the money, men. Yes, the Champions League is fantastic. Yes, of course, it's it's the elite European competition. But it doesn't mean that winning the the Europa League or UEFA Cup, whatever you want to call it, doesn't mean anything. If if you tell me that we played in one of the sort of the the, the top European stadiums, like in the Amsterdam Arena if we played at Wembley, if we played at Ibrox, if we played at the San Siro and beat someone like Benfica, someone like Porto, someone like Atletico in the in the Europa League final, you wouldn't give a shit that that's not what you support this club for. Get the fuck out, man. Fuck off. Like, silverware is everything to this club. It's everything to every club. Try telling Arsenal fans that eight years of winning nothing is great because they finished in the top four for all those years. Honestly, if, if they're being honest with you, they they will tell you how much they fucking hate it. They will tell you how much they fucking hate seeing all the teams around them winning stuff. It's The top four is not everything. Stop being so fucking blind to it. Like, just stop. Like, it's so ridiculous. Take it away from me, Raj. I'm sorry. I've, I've gone off on one again. I'm no, prone I think to doing this. I'm prone to doing this. I know I am. No, I think you're right. I think the people that, as you say, want to tank the rest of the season are, are about as, peop- as stupid as the people on The Walking Dead that want to live in the woods. Why? But I, I don't want to live in the woods. Are you saying I live in the woods, mate? Are you mugging me off? No, I'm, I'm <laughs> I know saying, you're not. I know you're not. <laughs> I thought you'd, you'd misread. No, I hadn't done. 
mate. But we're gonna have problems if you if you keep saying I live in the woods and that. Like, well, you look like it. I do. I shit in there. I, yeah. I'm surprised you've not defecated halfway through this podcast. So I haven't you, done. You're doing I well. D- I, I I I laid a good log before we recorded this time around. A good Etienne, I should say. Who's injured? Who seems to be injured? Um, if we are to talk about Dnipro, um, Sandro, there's rumours that he could return. Fucking couldn't come soon enough for me. Couldn't come soon enough. Um, for all the talk of the fact that we have no guile, this is certainly where, for me, a certain Mr. Lewis Holtby could come in. Could come in handy. Um, I think player. we actually had a, a question, didn't we, um, that was along the lines of um, if all of our midfielders were fit, who would you play? I think right now, at this very moment in time, the way in which Dembele and Paulinho are performing, Holtby and Eriksson would both be in my starting eleven. 100%. I'd agree with you there, mate. And I'd, I'd be playing Holtby deeper alongside Sandro if both were fit, and I'd be playing Eriksson as a 10 with um, a choice of wingers either side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't disagree with you, mate. What about Lamella? What, 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 it, oh, it is, are we going to get rid of him, do you reckon, in summer? Do you, can you see the end is nigh? Do you think his, his oh, no, future is Tottenham? No, um, if we do, I think that's um, worse than the Cornelius signing at Cardiff that we just left home for. Um, it, like we said, he's 21 years old. He's a young lad. Um, he's had a year now to learn the language and learn about the club and learn about the league and be kicked about a bit, have his injury, have his time to bed in, have his mum here. Um, you know, grow up, have a pre-season with us, and and you know, knuckle down next season and, and get your get your foot in. You've still got the end of the season this year to get in with, so uh, there's there's no reason for him not to make an impact before the end of the year now. So um, I want to see him. I want to see him do well. I don't think there's any reason for him not to. Um, and the same goes for the rest of our summer signings. I'm not one of those people that want to sign any of them off. I tell you what, Roger, just to, just to jump in quickly, mate, is that. Is so much so? Do you, do you worry at all about the fact that players like Javinho and Adele Tarabt have gone to Syria and looked really very good? Does does that worry you at all about maybe Lamella isn't quite as good as we were hoping he would be? No, because uh, Adele Tarabt's always been a fat lazy shit, no matter where he is, and <laughs> and Javinho's playing under a manager in which he had a, a very good understanding. Um, he was much older when he came to the Premier League than Eric Lamella was. He was a much more complete player and he, he got kicked around a bit. I mean, the only thing that he's going to get in Serie A is monkey chance and he'd probably get that at Anfield if he played against Luis Suarez, so he'd probably be right at home there. But um, I think Lamella's got all the time in the world to come good for us and um, if, he, if he's shut off before he's had a chance to really fulfil his potential or even try and tap into it, then it's a, a crying shame. Could the man to bring the best out of him be a certain Mr. Louis Van Hal, who we have been linked to at length this this week? It, it, for you, is it going to happen this summer? Um, I don't think she would be there. I've no idea who will be in charge next summer. I think um, a few people are... Um, I almost get the, the impression that some people are using as as like contract... Um, you know, almost like the cynical side of me seeing as like people are making notes about Tottenham just to try and get a bump up in their own club contract. I mean, Frank De Boer's come out and said that. I mean, interestingly enough, his assistant at Ajax, do you know who he is? I certainly do. He's just had a statue erected with a stick up its arse. Yeah, so I'd, um, I'd be highly interested to see if he was to come in the summer, whether or not we'd install him as our uh, assistant manager or not. That would be um, fairly entertaining. I tweeted, mate. I got. I, I was fishing for 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 arse 
nor kind of you're fishing for pelters. us. I was well fishing for us as ever, but uh, okay. fishing for Arsenal pelters the other day. As I tweeted, I can't wait for the day that we get Frank de Boer as our coach. Dennis Burkamp comes in as his number two and actually admits to the fact he was always a boyhood Tottenham fan. Because that would happen. I'm sorry, that would definitely happen. Everyone knows. Uh, the reason why Arsenal gets so tetchy is because they know Burkamp was a Tottenham fan. Everyone knows it. Burkamp has backtracked and he said, I'm not, I wasn't a Tottenham fan. I just really liked some of their players. I, I modelled my game on Glenn Hoddles. Bollocks, you're a Tottenham fan, mate. We all know it. They know it. Everyone knows it. And when you become our number two, you'll admit to it as well. And I'll just be interested to see how they, uh, how they revere their statue when that does come to pass. Yeah, they can melt it down and build one of uh, of like Mesut Özil because they love him at the moment, don't they? I, I'm 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 not going to make fun of Özil because he's going to come good. He's a good player. I, I mean, you were saying fishing for gooners, but the the activity on the uh, Rolda Roost account after I went, out, <laughs> I, I went out last week and uh, had a few bevs with the lads at a gig, and then they lost that night to Bayern Munich, and I had a couple of couple of really good fishes, and it hasn't stopped for about a week, has it? I mean, they're still coming back for more. They're so tetchy. They are so tetchy. I think one of the ones I sent was, I'd rather play Dnieper every week uh, than to part a backwards club like Woolwich. That one's still getting retweeted. Um, all sorts of things I said about them. Um, I, I sent one that was just, ha, 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 um, <laughs> after um, Mesut Ozil missed his penalty. And um, they're still attacking me, sending me pictures of Sol Campbell with the Premier League. And it just makes me happier, to be honest, that they're that they're biting. They, they don't you, seem to understand that I'm enjoying it. You know, I you know I said this uh, this week that I, I can't stand by now, and I'll just chuck out to Gunners. It's like you know what you took Sol Campbell. It hurt at the time, but it gave us one of the biggest legends we've ever had in Ledley King. He stepped up, became our Mister Tottenham. So you know, you did us a favour. I'm just I'm completely saying that to console myself. Do you don't think worry. um uh, just to go back to football and you know. Why do we want to do that? Yeah. Um, do you think we'll turn it around against Dnipro? Uh Do I think we'll turn it around? I'm worried that they're going to score early doors. I really am. Like, we we have that habit of conceding. Well, I suppose I'm basing that on nothing this season. But historically, as a Tottenham fan, I always have that fear that we're going to concede an early goal against, like, a lesser opponent. Like, I remember against, well, Sevilla weren't a lesser no, opponent. they were brilliant. But- but I just remember kind of getting really pumped up for the return leg at White Hart Lane and then Freddie Canute just pretty much putting our dreams to bed within like five minutes. There was but, a penalty um, one there and Steve Marbrunk hit that awful clearance off the line where he managed to yeah. scuff it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty terrible. I, I don't know, I, I just get a really bad feeling that Denis Pro are going to get one and then we're going to fight against it. and just. If they score one, we have to score three, don't we? Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, which we are, we're more than capable of doing. Mm. But uh, I think with the eighteen eighty two lads um, there in the stands, we're going to be good. One thing I do want to shout out about as well: um, during the game on the twenty third minute, there is going to be a minute's kind of chanting and applause for Tom Van Haren, who is a well was a young Tottenham fan who tragically lost a battle to cancer at the age of 23. Um, he was a massive fan of the 1882 movement and obviously a huge Tottenham fan. And his family are going to be there. The Fighting Cock lads, um, they have kind of gone above and beyond um, 
in organising this. So we'll tweet out the the link to the forum where you'll find out more details about the kind of the the event plan. So if you are at the game against Dnipro, please do be sure to uh, join in on the twenty third minute. Like I say, to uh, Tom Van Horen and his family will be there at the game as yeah, well. It's a good um, hand, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, but uh, yeah, it it will be a good game. Is is there a, is there much going up on the site this week, mate? Um, I don't know. Um, there'll probably, be a, <laughs> there'll probably be a preview of the game on Steve will after Paul Laddle have to write about Norwich, and um, yeah, we'll have we'll have the usual stuff going up. Um, I think yeah. Um, when I, when I say the site, that is www.spursstatman.com, where you can of course also listen to all the previous episodes of. Rule the Roost um, on the what is it? It's a SoundCloud, isn't it? Account you got? Yeah, on we've there? got we've got one SoundCloud account. That you can, it's mainly for like because we've got like some forty-year-old people and that that don't use the internet properly on Facebook that have like sent those messages not knowing how to listen to it and that because they've obviously it's linked to Twitter account and they don't know how to click the links. So I found a way of making it so they can only click the play button on Facebook while they sat there, like looking at the kids' pictures and that, so they can listen there. And you can listen through Twitter and that, so it just makes it a bit easier. I think there's about 50 people a week that seem to be using it at the minute, which, you know, I'm happy enough for me to roll on with that. And then the main amount of them seem to be able to, able to, you know, use iTunes and the podcast function and the website and what have you to, you know, the normal ability of somebody in 2014. And uh, you can, of course, as Raj drops in there, listen to all the previous episodes of Royal the Roost as well on the iTunes website and on our Buzzsprout site. We'll tweet out all the links for that there. Um, please do be sure to follow. Actually, on, on iTunes, get, give us a nice rating on there. Give us a nice review. It's always good to, uh, to, to, to give our egos a boost because we're, we're insecure men. Raj especially, he's, 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 he's a delicate flower. Um, only but, when uh, you like, call me Carl Pilkin, and that's the only thing that... You didn't like that one, you didn't like that, did it's you? because he's Lancastrian, really... I mean, I don't mind the man, he's fairly amusing. But uh, I, I don't think I don't think anything really, Ricky Gervais does post-office is funny, but... Uh, you know. You're my Ricky Gervais, aren't you? If that's, that's the Fuck way it's going to work out, you're, you're my... No, you're like Keith Chegwin and Ricky Gervais spliced together. <laughs> If I'm, if I'm, yeah, if I'm fucking Keith Pilkin, what? Well, not Keith Pilkin, then uh, Carl, and then you're Ricky Gervais. It's fucking Carl Pilkington meets Alan Partridge, mate. So be careful. Yeah. Carl Pilkington, the bloody size of Stephen Merchant. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, but yeah, listen to all the old episodes. Come on, you Spurs. Nice one. Bye. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.